right, how many love the, mo- the movie Back to the Future? Anybody like that movie growing up? Come on now. How many saw it in the 80s? Anybody raise your hand if you saw it in the 80s? How many saw it in the 90s? Raise your hand. How many didn't see it until after the year 2000? Raise your hand. We don't like you. All right. Anybody else today? Just playing. Man, we, we, uh, we, what a classic movie. It was the number one grossing movie in 1985. And, uh, of course, it, it, the thing that we all like about it is if we could all go back in time, right? We could all go back in time. We, we'd make a lot of different choices in our life. And uh, today, uh, it's good to see you here today. We're going to talk about this theme, going back to the future. Uh, before I get started, I want to once again say it's good to have some of my family here today. It's good to have my sister who drove up from Oklahoma, my niece. Shelly, can you raise your hand? Yeah, my niece. Some people know my niece. Gabby and her boyfriend. Yes, Grant, raise your hand. Chandler, his brother, I think you even had a friend coming down from Springfield as well. Yes, it's good to have you today. We're glad you guys are all here. And today we are glad you're here. And, you know, this movie, 1985, was a great movie. I think we'll just play. We actually found the original trailer. So before we get started today, let's go a flashback here to 1985. Let's see the original trailer to Back to the Future as it appeared in the movies. Steven Spielberg presents Back to the Future, a Robert Zemeckis film. Marty leads an ordinary life. No McFly ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley. Well, history is going to change. And 1985 is not his year. But Dr. Brown is about to change all that. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? He's sending Marty 30 years back in time. Now, he's trapped in the past. This has got to be a dream. About to meet... Chocolate. ...his future father. He's a baby. Tough. Wow! And he's making an impression on his mother. He's an absolute dream. And he can sleep in my room. Any of you do could have serious repercussions on future events. Now, he's got to make his mother and father fall in love. Just playing out loud, I haven't even been born yet. And only Dr. Brown... Can help him get back to the future. Are you telling me that this sucker is nuclear? Precisely. Michael J. Fox. Whoa, this is heavy. Christopher Lloyd. There's that word again, heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Back to the future. All right. How many? How many grew up in the 80s? You may grew up in the 80s right here. Raise your hand if you grew up in the 80s. All right. All right, that's good. How many were born in the 80s? Anybody? Okay, it's good, good. Uh, it's, you know, it was a great decade. You know, uh, I love the 80s. You know, the 80s were great. We had, we had, anybody had a mullet? Anybody have a mullet in the 80s? Yeah, okay. Even some of you girls had mullets. I know that's the truth. Kind of scary. I think I even have a picture of a few mullets here that I had in the 80s. Uh, it's kind of scary. There you go. Right there. That's what I'm talking about right there. Yeah. <laughs> Sister, my sister's here. Why did you let me leave the house with that dirty thing underneath my nose right there? My grandpa used to say, son, I'm going to grab some milk on the bottom of your lip and let the cat lick that thing off. You know, I, you know we, I think Tom, Tom Selleck had, had a role in that. You know, he was big with Magnum P.I. and he was a stud and had a mustache. So we all tried to be studly and grow a mustache. It was a thing, you know, of manhood. Either way, mullets mustache it was all pretty bad how many had that had that senior picture that what were they thinking i mean making you turn all sideways and put your hand up there you notice i got my state championship ring on that finger right though you know i'm showing that off right there 
Come on now, you know I turned my head sideways in that sweater. That'd be great to wear at Christmas time, a Christmas sweater. You know, I did clean up pretty nice, I guess. I wore a suit and tie for one of my pictures. But, you know, uh, if we could all think about the 80s. I mean, in the 80s, our parents let us play with guns, knives, and fireworks all the time. And we survived. Can you believe that? I, I know it's crazy, right? Crazy. Yeah, you know, Christmas, we get guns for Christmas, and we get a box of ammo. And they're like, hey, man, we, we're going out to play. <laughs> that was it. True story. We go out and play all day with guns and ammo and got knives and I had fireworks. I had, I had a duffel bag full of fireworks year round that we just kept in our closet, you know. It was just there. It was just there and we survived. I also had this strange thing hanging on my wall. How many ever had one of these strange things hanging on the wall? It was called a phone. How many remember when phones hung on the wall? Anybody can remember that? I mean, now, yeah, you guys, what is this thing? You know, you, some of you wouldn't even know how to use one of those things. You know, how, what buttons do you push? What happens? You had to actually know how to operate one of those things. We didn't have phones in our hands 24-7. Nowadays, everybody's got it, you know. There, you actually had it hanging on the wall. And, you know, today, if you don't want to take a number, all you got to do is just push block. And you can block that number, and that's done. We had call blocking back then as well. You take the phone off the hook. And you let it sit there on, so no one can call you. Remember that? You hear that annoying noise. If you want to call block somebody, that's what you had to do back in the 80s. But what's great was this. Nowadays, if you want to hang up on somebody and make a statement, you just push click, and they're like, what happened? You know, I lost connection. No big deal. They don't know it. But back then, you could make a statement. You could take that phone, and you could slam it down, boy. And that thing would ring. That person would be like, oh, did you slam the phone on me? Yes, I did. You know, it felt good, too. You know, you know, some of you guys don't know what it is to have to call a girl on a phone and talk to their mom and dad and say, can I please talk to your daughter? You guys got it easy. You just text a few, a few letters to a girl now, and you're having a conversation. I mean, come on now. Man up. Call the mom and say, hey, this is Gene. Can I please talk to your daughter? Is she home? And then you didn't know it was either 50-50, whether or not she was going to announce to the whole house, Gene's on the phone, ooh, he wants to talk to you. And she can say, ah, tell him I'm busy. Then you're like, oh. You know, kids these days never understand. You want a privacy, you had to have a, you know, people who had one of these cords that were like a mile long, like a big bungee cord. You could take it to any room in the house. It's shut, leave me alone. I shut the door behind you. Try to talk. With a big, long cord, a mile long. That's the only way you had privacy. I mean, today we don't understand how it really was. Today, I can tell you, kids don't know one number. They can't memorize one phone number. I can tell you, I'm right there with them, you know. My, all five of my kids have a phone. I can't tell you one of their numbers from memory. Don't know any of their numbers from memory. But I can tell you what number I had when I was five years old at 1815 Place in Muskogee, Oklahoma, 918-683-1822. That was my home number. And I only didn't know that number. I knew about 40 more numbers by memory. Can you believe that? No wonder today we have a hard time with math. We don't ever have to memorize anything. Back then, if you wanted to know things, man, you had to, me- you had to memorize that girl's number. Because what happens, you put it in your pocket, and your mom washed your jeans, and you lost that number. You couldn't just look her up on social media. You better memorize that number. You better write that thing down in the heart right there. If you wanted to call that girl, you had to know what was going on. So we had to memorize these numbers. 
all this happened. You know, I saw a campaign the other day about in Seattle, they're actually campaigning on billboards, on uh, buses and taxis all over the place. The city has got a campaign telling people, do not text 911. Call 911. Now, you think you wouldn't have to tell people this, but people actually think they can text in 911. OMG, someone's in the house. I don't know what's going on. No, like, don't, don't text OMG. Somebody's in the house. You call, get on the phone, and call somebody. You, you guys today, we never know. The 80s was great, had a lot of great things, had a lot of bad things. You know, I love this clip I'm going to show you here. It's a clip where Marty, if you know the story, Marty gets in a time machine. The Doc Brown converted from a Lorian to a time machine. He was running from the bad guys, and he, he gets in the car, and he gets ends up in the year 1955. And when he gets into the year 1955, he runs into his dad, who's a teenager, and he runs into his mom, who's a teenager. And his mom and dad were supposed to fall in love, but he, he interrupted that by pushing his dad out of the way. And, and his mom, which would end up being his grandfather, ran out, hit him with the car. Remember that? And then his mom starts falling in love with him. And he's like, this was weird. And all of a sudden, they start changing existence. He's going to be evaporated because he's messed up his whole thing about the past. And now his parents are never going to come together. And his whole, all of his children, all of his siblings are all going to be annihilated because this happened. So now... He's stuck in 1955. He can't get out. He finds Doc Brown. He explains what happened. Doc Brown is now going to help him get out of the past and go back to the future. And they go to the high school. They go to Marty's high school. Marty attended high school in 1985. Now he's going back in 1955. He's going back to that same high school where his parents are actually attending the high school as well. I love this scene. Whoa. They really cleaned this place up. Looks brand new. Now remember, according to my theory, you interfered with your parents' first meeting. If they don't meet, they won't fall in love, they won't get married, and they won't have kids. That's why your older brother's disappearing from that photograph. Your sister will follow, and unless you repair the damage, you'll be next. This sounds pretty heavy. Wait, has nothing to do with it. Which one's your pop? That's him. Okay, okay, you guys. Ha, 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 ha. Very funny. Well, you guys are being real mature. Maybe we were adopted. Jesus, didn't that guy ever have hair? Hey, fuck, man. You're a slacker. Do you want to be a slacker for the rest of your life? No. What did your mother ever see in that kid? Oh, no, Doc. I don't know. I guess she felt sorry for him because her dad hit him with the car. Hit me with the car. That's the Florence Nightingale effect. It happens in hospitals when nurses fall in love with their patients. Go to it, kid. George, buddy, I have been looking all over for you. You remember me, the guy who saved your life the other day? Oh, yeah, good. There's somebody I'd like you to meet. Lorraine? Calvin! I'd like you to meet my good friend, George McFly. Hi. It's really a pleasure to meet you. How's your head? Oh, uh, good. Fine. Oh, I've been so worried about you ever since you ran off the other night. Are you okay? Oh, it's Hardy. I'm sorry, I have to go. Come on! Isn't he a dreamboat? 
many, if you could, could we go back to high school? How many would go, if you could get in the time machine, go back to high school? How many would go back to high school? Anybody want to go back to high school? Yeah, a lot of people. How many well, high school was it great for you? How many high school wasn't so great for you? Okay. How many would go back to your past, if you could go back to your past, and talk to yourself and give yourself some good advice about the age 16 or 17? Anybody here? Yeah, yeah. How many say, I'd love to go back to high school because, man, I was the man back in high school. Come on, how many guys say that? Okay, all right. I see who you are. All right. You know, it's, it's something about this whole theory. It's, I think it's why it really grabs the heart of America for so long, this movie, because it really touches on something that many of us secretly wish. We all wish we could go back and do something in time. Wish we could go back and fix a problem. Wish we could go back and, and be smarter. Wish we could go back and do it over again. Wish we could go back and take a, advantage of the opportunities we had. Wish we could go back and, and not hurt that person that we hurt. Wish we could go back and change some things. There's, there's always something that we're looking to change. There's always something we're looking to change. But let me tell you today that only God has the power. Listen to me. Only God has the power to change. Listen, only God has the power to change your past and your future. Only God has that power. God has the power to change both your past and your future. You can't do it by yourself. There's no way you can do it, but God can change both your past and your future. Come on, someone ought to thank God for that. He changes our past. I'm not who I was, but I'm, I'm brand new in Him. And He changes my destiny. He changes my future. See, today I'm going to talk about changing your past. Now, next week, we're going to talk about, in part two, we're going to talk about changing your future. I can already tell you right now, I am stoked. I am pumped. I am ready to share this word next week. It's going to be fire. You better bring your hankies. You better bring your tissue. It's going to be good because we're going to talk about changing your direction, changing your future. How do you change your future? It's going to be next week. It's going to be really good. But before we can go about changing our future, we have to deal with our past. We've got to deal with our past. We can't walk away from it. It must be dealt with. Have you ever had something embarrassing happen to you or a mistake happen to you and it followed you around for many years? Maybe it was in junior high or high school. You know, there, there's, I belong to a, a group page that my senior class belongs to. It's the group page of 1989. And in there, we have, sometimes they have discussion and people will bring up memories. And people still bring up some of the stupid things some of my classmates did. Not me, thank God. But some of my classmates did. And they bring up some of the stupid things they did. And like, you know, remember when this happened? You know, remember when you did this? You know, embarrassing things. And it's like it doesn't die. It just stays out there. It lives forever. And it happens to us. Sometimes we have things embarrassing. Sometimes we have mistakes we've made. Sometimes they're just not they're fun things, but they're embarrassing things. Sometimes they're traumatic things. Sometimes they're traumatic things that happen to us in our past. Things where we were hurt, things that happened of abuse, things that happened to us, traumatic things of loss that happened to us in our past. And for many people, we're stuck in the past. Many people are stuck in 1985. Many people are stuck in 1955. Many people are stuck in 1995. Many people are stuck in 2005. Many people are stuck in 2015. Many people are stuck in 2016. Something happened, and it keeps you chained to your past. It keeps you living there, unable to go forward to the future that God's got for you because you're a slave, you're stuck in the past. God wants you to be free from that past. God wants you to go back to the past so that you can propel to your future. He wants you to deal with your past. How do we deal with it? 
Well, look what 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says. Awesome verse. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is what? Gone. And the new life has begun. Now, I've studied Greek and Hebrew in college. And if you go back and really study the original meaning of this word, anyone, it really means this. It means anyone. All of us. Come on. It's all of us. Anyone. The prerequisite is this, is that do you belong to Christ? If you have given your life to Christ, then anyone who does that now has become a new person. The old past is gone. Come on, thank God for that. My old past is gone. My future has begun. See, only God can erase your past, and only God can set you on a new future. My old life is gone. Yeah, come on, get God a praise for that. Yeah, that's awesome. My, my old life is gone, and my new life has become and started. You see, the problem is this. We think that I was bad, and then God, through Jesus, made me good. No, 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 no. That's not what happened. I was bad, yes, but you know what happened? It wasn't I was bad and I became good. It was this, that I was dead, and now I became alive. That's what happened through salvation. I was dead in my sin. I was dead, stuck in my past. But now I'm a person alive with a destiny, with the future, with hope in the future that God's got for me. I was dead to myself. Now I'm alive through him. It changes my destiny. It changes who I am. Look, look at this statement. If you don't, if you don't let your past die, it won't let you live. Let that sink in a second. If I don't let my past die, it won't let me live. When I become imprisoned by my past, whether it's something that I did or something that happened to me or something that I experienced, when I don't let my past die, it won't allow me to live. Some of you are here today and say, man, I've got to get out. I've got to, I've got to get out. I've been stuck. Some of you right now, the light's going on. I've been stuck. I've been stuck in 2015. I've been stuck in 2010. I've been stuck in 1985. I've been stuck there. I've been living in the past, stuck there, and I haven't been able to live my life to where God wants me to do because I'm stuck in my past. You see, we, we have to step out. Listen, step out of our history to step in to our destiny. We step out of my history, my past, so I can step in to my future, my destiny that God has for me. Turn to your neighbor and say, Lorraine, you are my destiny. Density, I mean. That's what he said in the movie. You know, and it's so true that our destiny is right there. And If you're stuck in your past, you'll never walk in the future that God has for you. We've we got to get through it. So how do we do that? If you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. And if you're not taking notes, I want you to write this down. Okay, there you go. Write it down. Number one, how do I get past my past? I've got to, through Christ, I am completely forgiven. In Christ, I am completely forgiven. We've got to know this. We've got to put it in our heart. In Christ, I am completely forgiven. Forgiven. Have you ever put a dent or scratch in your car? Have you ever noticed that when you have an old car, that you can drive that thing around and you never, ever do any damage to that car? 
But as soon as you buy a new car or get a new car, something always happens. You scratch it up, you put a dent, you back up and hit something. You know, I've done that times. I said, like, every time I get something new, I'll back up and hit something. It's like, I never hit it before, but wait till I get in the new car. I'll back up and I'll hit something and I'll say words I shouldn't say. And I have to turn around and apologize to my family. <laughs> I'm sorry. Didn't mean what happened, but it upset me. Brand new car. I just hit that. Oh, I'm upset. Then you know what? I get out and look at it, and I get even more sick. I even get more sick, and then I'll, I'll go, and I'll say, oh, man, I'll try to forget about it. I'll go out the other day, and I kind of slightly forget about it, you know what I mean? And then you get off work, or something happens, you go back out to your car, and you're like, oh, and you see it again. It's like that whole wave hits you again. It's like a big knot in your stomach. Like, you just want to get sick. I can't believe I just did that to my new car. You know, and every time you come out in the morning to get in that car, you're reminded of that mistake. And every time you get in the car to go to the store, you're reminded of that mistake. And every time you get up to go somewhere, you're reminded of how much mistakes you made until you get it fixed, right? It's something for our lives as well. Many of us, we live our lives that way. We're, we're, we're constantly out there and we're constantly looking at the scratches and dents and dings in our life. We're constantly looking at the mistakes we've made in our life and it makes us sick. It, it makes us f- so upset at what, what a stupid mistake I made. What a stupid decisions I made. And we see it and we live guilty and we live under so much guilt when we look at it. But we've got to realize that God is wanting us to get past our past. God's wanting us to realize that we can be new in Him, completely forgiven is what we are in Him. See, many times we feel this way about our past, but we must remember through Christ, we are completely, everybody say completely, completely forgiven. You're not partial forgiven. You're not halfway given. You are completely forgiven. Somebody needs to get that into your spirit today. You are completely forgiven. I love this. See, every one of us, at the core of who we are, we often wonder if people could really see me for who I really am. Now, come on. We, we all know things about each other, but only us, only, only myself really knows the real me. Only, only I know some of the, even the, the dark secrets. Only I know some of the dark mistakes. Only you know some of the, the things you've done. And, and not everybody knows. Some people know some things, but only, only we know some of the, our darkest secrets and mistakes. And what happens is this, is that at the core of who we are, we often wonder if people could really see me for who I really am, would they really accept me? If people could see me for who I really am, would they really like me? Would they really accept me if they could see me for who I am? This is the core of all of us we have. You know, and social media just compounds compounds this. You know, we do this all the time. We're taking selfies, 76 selfies, to get that one picture that makes sure everybody knows our life is perfect, Right? All of us got perfect lives. We've all got the perfect spouse. We've all got the perfect boyfriend or girlfriend. We've all got the perfect pet. We've got the perfect children. We made the perfect meal. We did the perfect workout. All right. We did all these things. And we, we, we all do it. Come on now. We all do it. And come on, ladies. You'll use 76 pictures to get that one picture and 16 filters to make it happen. Come on now. I don't even know how to use a filter. My son always yells at me. 
Don't, don't get me started, woman. All right, now, come on now. Satan, get behind me. Satan, get behind me. You guys pray right here at this area. Shut your hands. Look at Romans 8.1 says. Romans 8.1. Now, there is no, everybody say no, condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I think you guys didn't hear me. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. It's the story of our freedom. It's the story of how Jesus sees us. See, my identity is found in who God says I am. My identity is not found in the mistakes of my past. My identity is found in who God says I am. I I love this story in John chapter 8. We see this beautiful story where the Bible says there's this woman who was caught in the act. Listen to me. She was caught in the act of adultery. It didn't say she was caught having an affair. That's not what it says. It says she was busted in the act. Are you finding me here? Are you following me here? She was busted in the act of the adultery itself. She was caught in the act of it. Can you imagine the embarrassment? Can you, can you imagine the humiliation that followed that? Can you imagine how she felt embarrassed, being caught in the very act? And then they grab her, and they bring her to Jesus. Remember, the Pharisees grabbed her, and they bring her to Jesus, and they got rocks in their hands. Come on now, church. How many of us are so self-righteous we want to carry around rocks, and we want to throw rocks at everybody else's problems, denying that we also have problems? Come on, let's be a church that doesn't go around throwing rocks at people. Let's be a church that says, you know what? I've blown it. You've blown it. Don't act like you've all got it together because none of us have all got it together. We just serve a God who does have it together. And through him, there is no condemnation. Let's stop throwing rocks and let's love somebody back into right relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's quit throwing rocks and let's love somebody and see their heart healed for Jesus. Just a little side note there. So what happens now? They bring this lady to Jesus. Pastor Christian, come here a second. Give me a hand. So today, Pastor Christian, it said they, they bought this girl to Jesus. And they brought her to Jesus. And said, Jesus, this woman here, she was caught in the act of adultery. Now the law says, thou shalt not commit adultery. And the law says that she's caught in adultery, she should be stoned. And what does Jesus do? It says that Jesus kneels down beside her. This is very significant today. I want you to get this today. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords took a position of humbling himself, of kneeling down, kneeling down. In front of the woman, showing that he wasn't there to bring judgment, signifying he wasn't there to bring condemnation. He knelt down before her. Jesus, what are we going to do? 
It says he rose back up, a place of authority to speak. Does he speak to her? No. He speaks to the Pharisees. Hey, any of you without sin, you cast the first stone. Then he drops back down to a place of humbleness before the girl. One by one, he can hear him leaving. And it says that he took his finger and he began to trace something on the ground. We don't know what he wrote. Some people believe that he was drawing the next play that happened. The wide out here goes left and this guy goes deep. I, I don't know what he was doing. Honestly, that they've now have studied it out. And oftentimes we see him rolling around in the dirt. And that really wasn't what happened. What they're telling us now is that Jesus would have been in the temple. Because of where he was at, that he would have been actually riding on stone. Think about it. Jesus kneels down in a place of humility in front of the woman who's guilty. Puts his hand on the stone and begins to write something out on the stone with his hand. Jesus puts his hand to the stone begins to write something out. Wait, where in the Bible did we see this happen before? Where in the Bible did this happen before? Where did God put his hand upon the stone and begin to write something out? The Ten Commandments. Remember that? It says that with God's hand that he wrote on the stone. See, because what happened was this. God wrote on the stone, thou shalt not commit adultery is one of those Ten Commandments. But he also was the one who wrote on the stone that day and said, Woman, where are your accusers? I don't see them. I don't see them either. You are forgiven. Go and sin no longer. See, the very one who wrote the command in the stone was the same one that looked at her and said, I bring no condemnation to you. I see you as a child of God. I see you as the princess you are. Go in God. Thank you, Pastor Kristen. We've got to realize this today, that God is not there to bring the judgment to us. He's there to uplift us. He's there to propel us to a new destiny. He wants you to leave that past. He wants you to leave that sin. He wants you to leave that bondage. He's got a new destiny for you. How does he do that? He loves us there all the way. There's no condemnation. So if there's no condemnation, then why do we condemn ourselves? Why do we condemn ourselves? We're, we're good at that, aren't we? We condemn ourselves, but it doesn't come from God. God doesn't bring the condemnation. You know who brings that condemnation? The Bible says it's Satan. The Satan is the one who, who brings us to feel guilty. He brings us to feel guilty about the things we've done in our life. That comes from Satan. It doesn't come from God. Turn to your neighbor and say, no condemnation in Jesus. See, forgiveness is not achieved Forgiveness is not achieved, it's received. I can't, I can't achieve forgiveness. I'm not that good. I don't earn it. I just receive it. I don't deserve it, God, but that's grace. I didn't do anything to deserve it, God, but that's grace. I just got to receive his forgiveness. I just got to receive it, God, yes, I receive it. See, I don't have to feel like I'm forgiven. I just got to celebrate that I'm forgiven. Sometimes I don't feel like I'm forgiven. My mind starts feeling guilty, 
and I start feeling bad about my past or something, I don't always feel forgiven. But you know what I do? I begin to celebrate that who Jesus says I am. I begin to celebrate that God so loved the world that he gave his only son to come and die for the sins of the world. And through him, when God sees me, he now sees Jesus. Through him, I've been called a child of God. Through him, I have no condemnation. Through him, my old life, my past is behind me. My new life is before me. And I walk into the new life God has for me. I celebrate that, and I walk out of the bondage. I walk out of the past. I say, it's not holding me back any longer. I am leaving my past by receiving the forgiveness God has given to me. Write this down, number two. In Christ, I am valuable. In Christ, I am valuable. In Christ, I am valuable. Have you ever watched videos of people who are working like a convenience store somewhere and somebody comes in to rob them and all of a sudden they get in a struggle and they start fighting this person and ro- trying to take the gun away from them and trying to, you know, wrestle them and, and fight for them. Now, if, if that's your store, I understand it, okay? But if you're just working there, I'm like, what are they thinking? What are they doing? If I'm working at Casey's down the street here, and somebody comes in and points a gun in my face and says, give me your money, I'm like, ching, take it all. Grab a six-pack as you leave. Have a good day, sir. God bless you. Go. Have it all. Just take it. I'll help you carry it to the car. It's all for you. It's all yours. You want to know why? Because that's Casey's money. It ain't my money. They don't pay me enough at $10 an hour to put my, lose my life over a few hundred bucks. It's not as valuable to me. Now, you break into my home. You break into my car. You mess with one of my kids. I will hunt you down like a dog. I will hurt you. A pastor's hat will come off really fast. I will, I will chase you down the street in the middle of the night in a pair of shorts and socks until I fall down and dislocate my shoulder. True story. I will do it. Why? Because you don't steal from me. You don't take away and hurt my family. See, it's different when you're taking something valuable to me. I'll give my life for that. I ain't going to give my life for something else. It ain't mine. But when it's valuable to me, I will give my life for that thing. Come on, some of you mama bears, you know what I'm talking about. Let somebody dare mess with one of your kids. You, you will take that shopping cart and throw it ten aisles over and knock that lady out. She messed with one of your kids. You let someone try hijack or try to hijack your car with your kid back in the back seat, strapped into the baby seat. It ain't going to happen. You are not getting out of that car. You're going to wrestle that guy. I don't care how big he is. You ain't leaving your baby in that car. Why? Because it's valuable to you. It's your child. It's something valuable to you. See, it's something valuable we are worth fighting for. It's worth giving our life for, for something that is valuable. Are you really willing to lay down your life for something valuable? Yes, we are. See, I, I may believe, some of you here, you believe that, you know, some people believe that out millions of years ago, these two tiny cells collided 
in the universe and there was an explosion and then more cells were created and four cells became eight cells and eight cells become 16 and 16 became 16,000 and 16,000 became 100,000 cells and they all one of them dropped into the water and one became a tadpole and then one became a frog and it jumped on the land and it climbed up a tree it came down a monkey and the monkey went to the next tree and it came up and this guy came out talking on the cell phone some of you may believe that things evolved that way But I just think that in my heart today, and I know in my heart today that there is too much order. Too much order in the universe. Do things evolve? Yes, sure, things evolve at God's pace, at God's will. God designed for things to evolve over time. God designed that things would change and adapt to climate. God designed things to happen that way. But I believe that the universe is way too big. I believe my DNA is way too complicated. I believe that all this order that's happening right now that we can't even imagine didn't just happen. That the Bible says this, that I was wonderfully and fearfully made in the image of God. That's what I believe. That's what the Word of God says. I am valuable. I am wonderful. And I am fearfully made in the image of God. This is what the Word of God says about me. It's what it says about you. How valuable are you? You're so valuable that Jesus Christ gave his life for you and I. See, value is determined by the price somebody is willing to pay for that item. The value is only what somebody will pay for it. What's your life worth? That God sent his only son to die for you and I. That's the value that he has for your life and for my life. That's the value. In Christ, I am valuable. He gave his life for me. He gave his life for me. He left the 99 to come for me. He came for me. He died for me. He loved me. He designed me. He called me into existence. He made me in his image. Today you are valuable. The last thing I want you to write down. In Christ I am unconditionally loved. In Christ, I am unconditionally loved. Unconditional love. Sometimes I struggle with this. Okay, let's be honest. A lot of the times I struggle with this. Unconditional love. I mean, how many of us really have unconditional love? We love some people and sometimes, man, other people, they get on our last nerves. It's hard to love some people. Some people, they just, they just want to ruin your day. They want to do everything they can to ruin your happiness. It's hard to love some people unconditional. Let's be even real this morning. Even if you're married, even my wife and I, we, we, we decided that we're going to stay committed to each other through thick and thin. And, but you know what? There's days, even days I can be a jerk. I know it's hard to believe, right? Even days I can be hard to live with. Even days that we get on each other's last nerve and we're like, oh no, we just need a break today. Just, mm, yeah. It's, it's, we're just, mm, it, it, unconditional love really gets tested sometimes in our marriage. How about you? Okay, all right. Just making sure. But you know what? Where's the one place where unconditional love is alive and doesn't change? Obviously through Jesus, yes. But in our natural world here as well, what, what is the one part of our relationship that doesn't change? It's the relationship with my children. Think about that. Our kids, they are born with an attitude. 
They come into this world crying and screaming, and they don't stop for a year. Every once they stop in the middle of the night, dear mother, I'm sorry for crying all night. I think I'll let you sleep through the night tonight because you could use some rest. I'll eat in the morning. My diaper can wait until the morning. You're fine. Go back to bed, Mom. Doesn't happen, does it? diapers only to have them explode again get that new outfit only to have them mess it up right away repair that wall only to have your kid put a foot through the wall again repair that doorknob hole in the wall only to have it broke again repaint that wall only to have your kid mark on it again and it just goes on and on and on kids make big mistakes all their life and even though it's frustrating at times, does my love ever change for them? No. Why? Because they're my kid. Your kid does that, they ain't coming back over my house for a while. I'm just telling you right now. Unconditional love is going to be tested. Come and pick your kid up now. I don't want to hurt him. Please come and pick him up now. My kid. It's unconditional love. Unconditional love. All of my kids, unconditional love. Why? Because they're my kid. See, my love for them is not based on performance. It's based on position. God's love for us is not based on our performance. It's based on our position. That he calls us sons and daughters of God. And if we believe in his son, Jesus, that we have become old things are wiped away, all things become new. I'm now living a new Christ as a son and daughter of God. His love is unconditional in my life. How can I move past my past? I realize who I am. I am loved. I am valued. And all of my sins are really, really forgiven. All of my past is really forgiven. All of my past is no longer hanging over my head. All of my past is no longer going to hold me back. All of my past is no longer my story. My story is taking a new turn. And my story is this, that I have been redeemed. I have been changed. I have been forgiven. I'm not the lady I was. I'm not the man I was. But I'm a woman of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a man of God. That's who I am. And he loves me in spite of my mess. Because of my position. Redeemed as a child of God. Some of you have been stuck way too long. You need to see yourself the way God sees you. You need to see the value in your life. And we're like, God's called me to leave my past. Don't stay there in that hurt. Don't stay there in that mistake. But today's your day. I want you to bow your heads. As you bow your heads today, only Jesus has the power to change my past. Only Jesus has the power to change my past. With your heads bowed today, maybe you're here and say, Pastor, I've never done that before. I've never, and see, it all starts right here. Have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Have you ever given your life fully to Jesus? Today's your day. Some of you have been stuck there. Say, I haven't gone forward. Why? Because I haven't, I haven't accepted Jesus. That's the first part. 
of moving past your past is first of all asking Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. We won't do anything to single you out or embarrass you this morning. But I want to give you a chance to respond today. If that's you, say, Pastor, today's my day. I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Can you just slip your hand up where you're at so I can see you? Just acknowledge you today. Thank you. Anybody else today? Thank you. Anybody else? Today's your day. Raise it high where I can see it. Thank you. Anybody else want to join these? Come on now. If you haven't raised it, raise it right now. Today's your day. Today's your day. Today's your day. Jesus is here for you. He's been pursuing you all along. He's been knocking at your heart's door for a long time. Today is compounding. And today is your day to receive mercy. Today is your day to receive God's love. Mercy is running to you today. Mercy is coming to you today. And today's your day. If you have not received Jesus, one more time, raise your hand. Say, today's my day. I want to accept Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. This is what we're going to do. We're going to pray this prayer. As we pray this prayer, if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me. And as Christians sitting around you, we're going to say it out loud with you, okay? Say, dear Jesus, I surrender all of my life to you. Thank you for forgiving me my sins. I receive your mercy. I receive your grace. I believe you are the Messiah, God's only son. From this day forward, I will follow after you. I will live my life for you. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, come on, give God a hand clap of praise. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we invite you to stop by our hub back here in the left. We have a free Bible. We would love to give that to you as a free gift today. Inside that Bible, some information. We want to make sure you get that on next step things. But can I invite you to stand on your feet this morning? How many say, Pastor? I'm not staying in my past any longer. Today, you are speaking to me. Today is my day. I'm moving past my past. I'm moving past my past. Anybody here? Raise your hand. Say, that's me. I've been stuck in that way. Yeah, come on now. Come on, say, God, I'm not staying in my past. I'm a child of the King. I'm going beyond. I'm going to move into my future. Today, today's my day. Today's my day. Today's my day. Don't leave here. Chain to your past. I want you to sing this song. I want you to lift your hearts to him. I want you to lift your hands to him. I'm going to say, God, today's my day. I'm receiving your mercy, and I'm leaving my past behind. Can I invite you just to lift your hands one more time? I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you. That God, you are the God of our new destiny. All things are gone. All the old past is gone. I pray today that God, there's people being set free of the chains of their past. Set free today, God. In the name of Jesus, I pray right now, chains of bondage is falling off. Chains of guilt is falling off. Chains of depression is falling off. Chains of hurt and today, anxiety, all those things are falling off today. God, you are setting us free and you're allowing us to move, Lord, into a new future. God, I pray right now that, God, we are letting go of the past. We're forgiving ourselves because you've already forgiven us. And, God, we're going to move with confidence into our future. We're going to move with confidence into our future. We're going to move with confidence into our future. In the name of Jesus, we say amen. If you believe that, put your hands together one more time. Now, listen, next week, next week, it's going to, I'm telling you, you better, you better come ready. I'm going to preach paint off the walls next week. We're going to talk about changing your future, okay? Changing your future. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week.